Welcome to Future of Tech, hosted by Avishai Sharlin, Division President of Amdocs Technology. In this podcast, Avishai sits down with some of the most innovative minds in technology to learn how they are disrupting the present and what kind of impact they hope to have in the future. From the machine learning programs that are solving some of the world's biggest problems to what AI can do to help fight biological bottlenecks in human thinking, no topic is off limits. So sit back, relax, and maybe take some notes because what you hear on this show might just be a glimpse into the future. Not long ago, telephone companies had a monopoly on all forms of voice communication. But just as it has done to most aspects of daily life, the internet changed everything. Thanks to the internet, people could connect from IP from all corners of the world. And now that the technology has improved, the connections have become stronger and the systems have been built to support high-speed connection. The VOIP industry is becoming more important than ever for businesses. Craig Walker is the founder and CEO at Dialpad, a company he started after working for Google, where he led strategy, execution, launch, and product direction for Google Voice. On this episode of Future of Tech, Craig explains how VOIP is being used in every industry, and he discusses why the unified system of communication that Dialpad offers will lead to a more automated workforce. Plus, he details how artificial intelligence is now being implemented into all forms of communication and why that will be a game changer for how companies operate and train employees moving forward. Enjoy this episode. Future of Tech is brought to you by Amdocs Tech. Amdocs Tech is Amdocs' R&D and technology center, paving the way to a better connected future by creating open, innovative, best-in-class products and continuously evolving the way we work, learn, and live. To learn more about Amdocs, visit the Amdocs technology page on LinkedIn. So welcome to a new episode of Future of Tech. Uh, my guest is uh, Craig Walker, founder and CEO of Dialpad. And we're going to speak about many topics, um, but before doing that, let's start from the beginning. Uh, Craig, how did you find yourself dealing with uh, voice? You know, um, so I've been in voice over IP for the last 20 years, but really didn't have any plans to become a voice over IP person. I was a securities attorney in Palo Alto, California, working at a big firm representing startups and venture capitalists and investment banks and big public companies and things like that. And um, one of my clients was starting a venture fund, Telesoft Partners in 1999, that was going to make a bunch of investments out of the, uh, the 1996 Telecom Deregulation Act. And so really, he asked me to go join him, so I did, and we started making investments in, in a lot of things. Uh, we invested in Serent, we invested in um, you know, like optical switching and things like that, and, and the underlying architecture. And they were acquired by Cisco, no? Yes, uh, yeah, Serent was bought at the time, it was a $7 billion acquisition, it was massive, it was, it was huge. But uh, one, of our, one of the investments we made, and I went to a different venture fund and then we made continue to make those type of investments 
One was a voiceover IP company from 1999 called Dialpad. And same name, totally different company, but uh, really fell in love with voiceover IP in that deal. And then when 2001 came around and, and the internet bubble burst and all these unprofitable businesses had to, had to lay off a lot of people, Dialpad brought me in as an interim CEO. And I ended up, you know, it was supposed to be like a three-month gig. I ended up running it for four and a half years and we ended up getting acquired by Yahoo and kind of the rest is history. I was hooked. So went from there and started a company called Grand Central. We got bought by Google and then left Google to start this company. And I've seen also in your resume that um, in previous life you worked for Google and I was wondering, um, have you had the uh, chance to work with, because Google also acquired Gibbs, if I recall in the area of... Uh, yeah. That's right. So were you part of this uh, journey or? Uh... Yeah, yeah. I, I remember flying to, where was it, in Stockholm? Yeah, I remember flying to Stockholm and, and doing some due diligence on Gips and meeting that team. And that was right as I was leaving Google. So what was that, 2010? But yeah, I remember, I remember being part of that deal and meeting the team. And, and they came over right as I was going out. So Craig. Maybe we should stop here a bit and, and speak about um, voice as a whole. Can you, can you give me like, first of all, what is it all about? Why is voice over IP interesting? Is it now a commodity? And why would someone uh, be interested to hear our podcast in the next uh, 30 minutes or so? Yeah, well, I mean, the thing, that, the thing that really interested me about voice is I just knew the size of the market was massive, right? Everyone on the planet has a phone number. Everyone has the ability to pick up a phone and talk to some, anybody else, right? It is the ultimate lowest common denominator of a network, right? Like you can connect to anyone on the planet over the voice network. The thing that I found really fascinating about voice over IP is Finally, after 100 years of a, a regulated monopoly voice network you know, controlled by you know, government entities or AT&T or these monopolists, the internet allowed for competition, allowed for people like me who don't own any assets on the telephony world to be able to build features and uh, develop products and really start to innovate. Because when you look, the problem with you know, monopolists is they're not very innovative. Their, their incentive is to like continue to drive monopoly you know, profits all the time and not necessarily care if you have happy or delighted customers because they don't have to care. They're monopolists. So that was really exciting to me. And at the, in the early days of voice over IP, like the trick was just trying to make it sound good enough that people would use it, right? The internet wasn't nearly as robust protocols didn't exist. The gateways weren't nearly, you know, as sophisticated as they are. So like back in 2001, the idea of, you know, a Fortune 500 company using voice over IP was laughable, right? Because it was, the quality was terrible back then. But you, you knew, like you knew just like Moore's Law that the networks are going to get better every single year, right? And you knew that you know, that technologies would improve in advance. And so even when we left Google in 2010 to start this company, the entire focus was selling it to businesses. And Google Voice had been a consumer product, but this was all about selling it to businesses. And, you know, one of our first customers was Motorola Solutions. 
you know, a massive company with offices all around the world. So you really saw this inflection point of, hey, enterprises now realize that this adds a ton of value and it's a lot more flexible, allows their employees to work from anywhere. It's, you know, they don't have to deal with all this on-premise stuff and people can use software as well as hardware. It's just such a better solution. So the spoken word is still the best way to communicate. I mean, video obviously has, has risen quite a bit, you know, since COVID. People used to not like turning their video cameras on. Now it's just kind of normal. But still, every contact center, every sales call, those are all people on the phone. You know, you call customer support. You want to talk to someone. You want to have your issue resolved. You don't want a chat bot trying to like deflect you from talking to people. And so voice continues to be this massive opportunity to provide great service to customers, to reach people, to, you know, to have emotion, to have a real connection and real conversation. And so that, that's what always fascinated with me or fascinated me with it and being able to do that, you know, at scale worldwide using the, using IP is really really exciting because now, you know, we can serve like Uber is a big customer of ours. They have offices all over the world and just being able to go spin one up, you know, in an afternoon is, is really, really, you know, like science fiction to someone 10 years ago. You would have never thought you could have done that. So 10 years ago, it was all about, you know, the quality and the ability to, uh, to scale. What are the challenges in today's solutions if you look at uh, the current modernized voice, uh, voice over IP uh, packages? Yeah, I think we got it. You have to assume that anyone in the market today has figured out how to make it sound okay, right? And has figured out how to scale and be able to serve our, you know, real material customers. So then we think about it as, okay, so what, is, what more can we do? So one of the things is I want to start really consolidating the various different silos. Like today, you'll go to a, you know, a typical customer maybe on have WebEx for their conferencing and, you know, Avaya for their phone system and Genesis for their contact center. And you have these three disparate platforms with, you know, three, you don't get a good view of all the conversations. Everything is kind of siloed and segmented. So one is really collapsing that all into a single platform, a true single unified platform where if you sign up for Dialpad, you just get conferencing, you just get contact center, you just get everything that you want. That's, it's how you want to use it is up to you. And then number two, I think the, the most compelling stuff when I look at the future is artificial intelligence. And we acquired a company called TalkIQ and they do real time artificial intelligence on phone calls. And so as you're speaking in real time, it converts into text and it then can give coaching and alerts to a call center supervisor or to an agent of, hey, here's the answer to that question. Or if I'm a sales rep and someone says, how are you different from your competitor? It'll show me a battle card of how I'm different. You know, like, here's how we answer that question. And being able to make phone calls more productive, more successful, answer customers' questions more quickly, and accurately every time, that's really kind of the, the exciting future to me. Because like you have email and text and everything else that's written, you can analyze and you can learn from and you can, you, know, you can do a bunch of stuff with. But the spoken word without this AI component is just lost as soon as you hang up the call. Like you're dependent on you know, that agent putting notes into Salesforce or Zendesk. And we all know that 
agents aren't really great at following up and doing a ton of, of, you know, paperwork at the end of a call. So being able to automate all that and give your company insights into what's happening on your phone calls, that's pretty exciting. So in, in that sense, what would be the differentiating factor between a small company? Because, you know, many big giants adopted, uh, we've mentioned Google as one of them, but there are others that adopted internal voice solution. Actually, it's, uh, it's a bit, the, the industry changed and now we call it unified communication and it includes other uh, components inside. Maybe we'll speak about it later on. So what will be the, or how do you differentiate a small company and how do you, uh, you are able to, um, to face the market when the giants are there? Yeah, I mean, I'd say if you look at any of these markets, the, the, the giants in those markets were startups not, to, not so long ago. So who's the giant of, of voice over IP for business? Ring Central's the biggest, $25 billion company. They were a startup 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Zoom, $150 billion company. They came out of Cisco as nothing, right? They were a startup 15 years ago. So, you know, like when those companies were being started, I'm sure people were saying, how are you going to compete with WebEx and with Cisco? And the way you compete is you just have a better product, a materially better product, and you maniacally focus on continuing to make it better. And you don't worry about, oh, what will this do? Is this going to cannibalize my on-premise business? Because you don't care. And these other large, you know, Fortune 20 companies that have all these other lines of businesses, they're easily distracted. They don't want to go cannibalize their existing business. They, they're unfortunately a little bit lazy because they've been able to reap profits off that position for a long time. And it's just natural evolution. Yeah. You know, Nortel's gone, was replaced by something else. Like, this just happened. So, you know, like Ring Central was version one of voice over IP for business. Hopefully, we'll replace them the way they replaced Cisco. And it's just going to be a continuing evolution. Got you. And um, in terms of, um, so you, you know, let, let's touch this point. So, voice was the beginning. Why, why is this field evolved or how this field evolved into unified communication? What does it include and how do you see it today? Yeah, I think it's, it's funny that for the last 10 years, they've been calling this unified communications when really all it is is cloud-based PBX, right? Like there's, it's not unified in any way. Like it's unified in that I can access it from my mobile phone as well as my desk phone. Maybe like that if you strain, that's one way to do it. But I prefer to think of it as unified collaboration and it's just, legitimately, I want one tool that's going to let me do a video call like this. That's also going to ring me when someone calls me at my work phone number. That's also going to let me do messaging and texting and, you know, group messaging and all sorts of all the ways that I want to communicate during my day in a single tool. To me, that is truly unified. You know, the idea that Avaya has a unified communication product is laughable. Like it's just a phone system that may be in the cloud. So companies like BlueJeans that uh, were recently acquired by Verizon are playing in this field or even them? There is video conferencing, video conferencing only, silo of video conferencing. Bolted on now to some sort of, I, I don't even know what it's bolted on to at Verizon, but 
and this is another little trick in the industry. People will go acquire a piece and acquire another piece or acquire another piece and say, look, it's unified, but it's really three different things. Like if you look at, you know, Ring Central up until April was reselling Zoom as its conference solution. They didn't have their own. Their contact center product, they don't have their own. It's made by In Contact. When you launch it, you see it says In Contact, and then the logo goes away and it says Ring Central. So calling those unified, yeah, they're unified in that you get a single bill for the three products, but they're still three separate products and they're not unified at all. You have different logins, you can't get unified analytics, um, you have all these different features and clients and the person on, on the contact center client can't talk to the person on the, on the phone system client. It's preposterously not unified when you do it that way. So when you speak about unification, um, give me maybe a few scenarios that uh, really can resonate with, uh, with everyone about uh, what is the feeling or what's the experience. Yeah, so the way, the way we built Dialpad, and, and this is one of the benefits we had of building it in you know, 2012 versus you know, 2002, you know, the cloud existed. Microservices architectures existed by that time. So you're able to really have a single platform that does all of these things at once and serves them all the same. So we have a single client that where you use, where you get you know, your phone calls and your messaging and your texting and your SMS and your MMS. If you want to do a video call, you do a video call from that same client. If you want to schedule a conference call, you can kick that off from that same client. And having that be a single you know, a single app that an end user sees and interacts with every day for any one of those modes, that to me is unified. And then us being able to get a transcript of all those conversations. So if I want to go back and search and say, hey, you know, where was it when, when I talked about, I don't know, when I talked about Genesis? And I can just go in and type Genesis. It'll pull my conference calls. It'll pull my phone calls, it'll pull my, my messages and my text messages, and I can now get all that content all in a single place. Or I can get, you know, for, uh, you know, let's say for, for a business, I want to know how many times a competitor is mentioned. And let's say I want to just type in, how many times is Central mentioned? I'll be able to pull that across conversations that our HR team is handling, having with, you know, recruiting candidates. I'll be able to, that'll pull also from our contact center, that'll pull from our, our sales calls, that'll pull from our internal messages. You really get the ability to see all the conversations and everything that's happening at your business when it's truly unified. When it's not, you can't. Interesting. And um, you're speaking a lot about the AI uh, component. So help me out there. What's the difference in embedding an AI or using an external AI solution that will harvest uh, some of the data that you, uh, that you have? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's an important distinction. So if you use, if you use an external AI to harvest you know, what's being spoken at your company, two things happen there. Number one, it is yet another service you need to go sign up for and pay for. Number two, it effectively listens or you send it recordings of your conversations and then it then analyzes them and turns them into text. So it gives you the only thing, it doesn't give you anything in, in the moment, no real time analysis. 
It needs the call to end, then they receive a recording, then they turn it into text, then they can analyze it, and then you get to pay extra for that. With Dialpad, and think of that, and before I go to the Dialpad one, think of that too. Let's say there's 10 people on a conference call and you send them a recording of 10 different people talking in a room. They don't know who's who. Um, when people are talking at the same time, they have no way to separate those. They have lower accuracy. They try to figure out who's speaking based on what they call diarization, but it's not very accurate of trying to tell just from the recording, oh, that voice sounds like the same other person. And so it's just, it's just not nearly as accurate. With Dialpad, what we do is we have that AI built into the core of our, our platform. So when we are on a 10-person conference call and we're analyzing that in real-time AI, every single one of those 10 channels to the conference gets analyzed separately. So we know that this channel is always Craig or this channel is always Joe. And so, no, and we don't hear, when you do that, you don't hear the other channels. All you hear is Craig or Joe. So, you know, with absolute accuracy, that is Craig talking and there's no crosstalk to make it more, more confusing. Secondly, so number one, it's more accurate. Number two, we're able to do it in real time. So, it's not after the fact we then analyze it and turn it into text and an hour later you get some analysis. During the call itself, you get the transcript and you can get trigger words and coaching and alerts to a supervisor if someone says, I want to cancel my account, all sorts of things you can do now that you have real time. And then third, since we acquired that company and we own all the technology from beginning to end, we don't have to charge you a artificial intelligence add-on SKU. We just include it. We think it's important to everything that we do. We think it's super differentiated and we just give it to every single Dialpad user. They get the real-time AI included. So it's really, it's really an advantage to us to be able to have that stuff. And then frankly, the amount of minutes, you know, these things, these AI engines get more accurate the more they're used and the more feedback they get. It's kind of like hours on a self-driving car. So we've now owned that company for two and a half years. We've embedded it entirely in our platform. So we're able to get better and better, more accurate every single day. And it's really, really impressively accurate when you look at it these days. How do you see the, um, maybe specifically to, uh, to Dialpad, but in general, this market being uh, changed uh, during the uh, pandemic? I'd say more than anything, it just accelerated an inevitable shift to the cloud. Yeah, the, the benefits of, of running a cloud-based unified collaboration platform versus, you know, having your own stuff on-prem, those benefits are just, just too great. It's too great from the productivity, being able to access it from anywhere, and from, you know, the maintenance and the support by the organization. You don't have to do, you don't need an army of people on-prem to deal with it. So that, that was inevitably going to win. The cloud was going to win versus on-prem. All this did was radically accelerate that that migration to the cloud. So CIOs who, you know, had a, say a legacy Cisco or a Navaya system, you know, frankly, we'd try to sell them to move to the cloud, but they had the option of, of saying, look, I can get another year or two out of my on-prem system. I'm just going to keep this. Now that they have to support workers working from their home, distributed all over the world, saying I'm going to rely on my on-prem system is, you know, you know, professional malpractice at this point. So it really has accelerated the need to the top of the stack that, hey, I have to, I have to support my employees no matter where they are. And, I, and frankly, 
You know, like I don't think the office of the future is going to look like the office of the past. There's going to be a lot of people who no longer willing to commute three hours a day to go to the office. And if they do, it's going to be like once every two weeks for, you know, a get together or a team, you know, whiteboarding session versus just going to work and sitting down on my laptop all day long. So those platforms and those CIOs are now going to have to support people who are in the office and people who are not. And it's going to be a rare company that's going to just say every single person come back to the office the way it used to be. I think, I think that's legitimately a thing of the past. So this brings me uh, indeed to, um, to maybe speak a bit, a bit about how do you foresee the future of workforce? You know, do you, do you believe that people will stay at home even, you know, post-COVID or is it something that we should expect different behavior? I think it's going to be a mix. I think it's going to be a, in, in a lot of that mix is people staying at home. And, you know, frankly, the benefits of being able to now, like we're headquartered in San Francisco. The ability for us to now go hire people anywhere in North America is fantastic. San Francisco is a very competitive labor market. And so being able to get, you know, we now, all of our, virtually all of our North American jobs are work from anywhere jobs. If you want to work in an office, great. You want, if you happen to live in San Francisco, awesome. Welcome aboard. But now we're able to hire people, you know, working in Pittsburgh, working, you know, in, in Chicago. If they want to do that, fantastic. Um, but I think like more than anything, we're looking at our real estate strategy as we're going to have offices, but it's going to be more like a, you know, more like a clubhouse, more like a place you'll get together to see each other, to whiteboard, to brainstorm, to socialize, to, you know, to, to really kind of have all hands meetings type stuff. But we don't anticipate that our offices are going to be places where people are going to have come in with their laptops, sit down, put on their Bose headsets, work all day long, pack it up and go back home. Like that's going to be more of the exception than the rule. And um, when you look at the uh, forward, you know, the, the future of this industry. So we talked about uh, AI, but what about voice recognition? How, how do you uh, see this becoming part of the... Yeah. I mean, I get the, at the end of the day, all the spoken, you know, just all the voice technologies are only going to get better and better and better and better. Right. And like we see it, we see it in our AI, just the accuracy of the transcripts are incredible. Right. So it used to be relatively rough. Now you're getting really sophisticated, uh, you know, punctuation even like it'll extend to different languages. Like it, it, you can really tell that this is, this really does feel like the future. Right. So voice recognition AI, accuracy, the things you can do, like tone inflection, being able to tell the sentiment of a call, not just by what's being said, but by, you know, the octaves and the, you know, the spacing of the words themselves. All that stuff's coming. It's all just compute power and it's getting data. So all that stuff is happening. If you look like three years ahead or, or um, you know, you can dream into five years ahead, what do you see in front of this uh field? How, how is it uh, going to uh, shape up to be? I think more than anything, we're now like today, we're laying the groundwork for very connected workflow of the future. So today, you know, today, let's, let's take a traditional sales rep or a support rep. You know, they're sitting in a call center or they're, you know, they're sitting at home, but getting a, a call center call 
you know, their CRM will come up to give me a record on, on the person I'm talking to. They'll, they're supposed to like label it, what type of a call it was. And they, they're supposed to type the notes and the resolution and it's supposed to get some analytics and reporting kicked out of that and et cetera. In the future, now that you have a really accurate transcript, and now that you have real accurate understanding of that conversation, that can all go directly into the CRM without the agent doing anything. You don't need to ask the end user for their, for their CSAT. The call should be able to determine what the CSAT was. Was the consumer happy? Did you solve their problem? Bang. Was there a way that I could have done better? So taking out all that friction, that, and again, when you pull reports from support tools and from sales tools, Generally, they're pretty horrible because you're dependent on what the agents actually entered and you're trying to train every single person to do it the same way and they don't. But if it happened automatically on every single call exactly the same way, then you'd start getting some really accurate data. Then you can start training your workforce how to better handle the stuff. And so it's just a, it's just a better, you're going to get a better feedback loop. You're going to get more automation in the workplace and for the end user, for the, for the employee, you're going you're gonna to have such a better experience because it's not going to be on you to go track down what, what, what was my action item from that call? When am I supposed to follow up? Do I go put it on the calendar? Do I, do I send myself a reminder? The systems will just start doing all that for you and you become more and more productive. So, so I think this really enables that, that future much more productive state. And as you start connecting you know, voice systems, conferencing systems, contact center systems with CRMs, with AI, with workflow processes. It's just that, to me, that's the future of work. It just becomes much more integrated, much more seamless, and much more productive. Yep, yep. And uh, if I'm a CIO or, you know, business manager, I, I, I listen to the podcast, I've heard uh, what you say, Seems to me reasonable. I still use one of the uh, what you call the old solutions, and I want to uh, to jump on the wagon and 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 start to enjoy this uh, collaborative work. What steps should I take in order to uh, start enjoying this journey? Well, I think there are, any CIO is probably already taking the steps of increasing their network capacity, and and they're probably their number one issue. More than, hey, making sure my Exchange server is running right and my file servers have storage. Like These are all the things of you know, problems of the 90s, right? Of You used to manage all your on-premise stuff. Now you should be worrying entirely about hey, how do we ensure that we have great connection in the office? And now with employees working from home, you better be worrying about how do I make sure my employees have great connections at home? Because it's that network connection that empowers everything to work right. So that's got to be issue number one. Once you've made that investment and have upgraded your network or, or are confident that, you know, you're ready, then it's as easy as going to Dialpad and signing up. Like that's, you know, like the, the last mile of your network or your employee's network is, is the really thing you got to worry about. And, you know, our mission, you know, coming from Yahoo and coming from Google and we were on the consumer side there. You know, we, we build all our products to be pretty consumer friendly or end user friendly. So you don't need an IT person looking over your shoulder to help you get set up or configured. We really care about, hey, you should be able to figure this out on your own. Change management should be really, really simple. Yeah. And, you know, Mr. CIO, just make sure I got a good connection and everything else works right. 
and then you see it like rolling up or something that will be driven by the by the um the end users or is it something that should be um pushed by management? still yeah it's it's still driven by management right like that you know if i if I had a legacy business and my employees were now scattered to the wind working in all their homes and I was a CEO, I'd grab my IT, my CIO and say, hey, how do we make our employees more productive no matter where they are in the world? That, that's got to be number one. We're paying them just as much. We're paying all their benefits. We still have all our customers. How do we make our employees more productive? And the way we do that is we ensure they have good connection. We make sure their, you know, their computers are, are quality and up to date. And then it's just a matter of choosing what services we put on that network and put on those computers. And, you know, and unified collaboration has got to be the most important of those tools. And one of the growing fields that probably unified communication has a lot to do with relates to gaming. How do you see the two of them interact? Um, is it parallel universes or are they collide? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because gaming... You know, any of us who have kids they know that our, you know, like my son plays a lot of games. If there's any delay, like if it glitches for half a second, when you're like, you've invested two hours in a Fortnite battle and then you die at the end because your internet, you know, like slowed down, that's infuriating for a gamer. And so they're like, you see how gamers will spend a ton of money on these tricked out machines and like, if they can gain, you know, they're almost like velocity traders on Wall Street, if they can gain like a quarter second advantage, it's a real advantage. So it really does come down to that network working really, really well all the time. And I think the same thing's going to be the same for people working from home. Like the idea of you and I being on a, on a video conference and if one of us had a bad connection and the experience was terrible, man, that's just like, what's the value of that? That could have ruined... You know, that could ruin not just, you know, the value of that time, our hour of conversation, but let's say there was a big business deal hanging in the balance or you were a really upset customer that I was trying to make happy. Like the, the price and the, the cost of a bad experience is really high. You know, we're not just losing our Fortnite battle. We've now lost you know, potentially a customer or a sale. So I think, there, I think there's a lot of parallels and the parallels are you just have to have excellent quality on your network otherwise just things aren't going to work well so in that sense do you see 5g as as, a, as an element that will allow the industry to for you know grow and move more stuff into uh this kind of uh yuca solutions absolutely i mean 5g is going to be one of the mo most important tools and fundamental pieces of a really robust work from anywhere capability so so, you know, like everyone who's now working from home during COVID, in my neighborhood at least, we're all on Comcast high-speed internet. And it wasn't built with the assumption that everyone in the neighborhood would be on it at the same time all day long, right? And, and it wasn't built with, you know, thinking that you're going to have a family full of, you know, people streaming 4K video content, people playing, you know, real-time video games. And people trying to do conference calls all the time. So if I had the ability to have a 5G router or a 5G hotspot that bypassed that Comcast head end and bypassed my neighborhood choke point and allowed me to be able to just have excellent business conversations and, you know, even let's even say my, my company paid for it. And then my company could do things like 
you know, controlling what it could be used for as well. So it's, hey, this is for business purposes. We're going to block streaming videos and gaming and pornography and all the things that choke the internet and make sure that my employees are going to have a great connection no matter where they are. Man, that would be priceless. And so I think that's a real fundamental, that's going to be a really fundamental tool that you'll see, you know, for the future work because that's, you know, I, as a CEO of a company of you know, 600 employees, I'd pay for that for every single one of my employees because the productivity gains for each one of those employees is going to be great. Good. Um, I, I believe, Craig, that uh, I've, I've uh, answered all my questions and uh, it is uh, <laughs> a real joy to have you. Um, we've touched many, many angles of this ecosystem. Uh, any closing remarks or, or comments or topics that you believe we didn't cover? No, I think, I think you were super thorough and, uh, and very well understanding of the situation. So it was, uh, it was a great conversation. Well, it was a pleasure, Craig, and uh, hopefully we'll see each other face-to-face next time. I look forward to it. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Future of Tech. If you like what you heard and want more, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to write to our host, Avishai Sharlin, directly on LinkedIn. LinkedIn.